This time, on episode 492 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we discuss the 2023 film, The Marvels. I'm Chris from Play Comics, a show where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material, a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other astonishingly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. And now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director S.P. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. The show is recorded on Saturday, November 18th, 2023. Live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast Jump Point System network-wide. Come and join our live chat as we record at gunnageek.com slash live. And if you didn't already catch on to it, we love talking about Marvel. Because this is giving us so many ideas for chapters of a new Captain Marvel fanfic. If you'd like to talk to us about fanfic, you can visit our website, legendsofshield.com. If you're one of those people that needs to talk through your ideas first before you can write them down, you can leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. And we promise we won't steal your idea. If you'd like to link to people what your favorite Captain Marvel fanfic is, or any other fanfic really, you can join us at our Discord server at gunnageek.com discord. And remember, Legends of Shield is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. I'm excited to end this year's Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. recording on this movie because it was fun for me. It's just a little reminder, this will be the last Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. for 2023. We got a lot to talk about. We've been trying to keep each other spoiler-free on what we're going to say pre-show. I think we were a little successful, but our excitement kind of leaked out. So you guys ready to actually talk about it? Yes. Yes. It's been bottled up. The Marvels, the MCU film, premiered on November 10th, 2023. I just want to take a moment to ask when you all saw it, because I didn't see it until this past Tuesday. I actually quit work early and I went to go see it. So, Lauren, I think you saw it premiere night. I did. Me, my spouse, and my best friend went to go see it opening night at the Alamo Draft House and had a lot of fun. Was there a big crowd? Yeah, actually. It was, a, I think, almost full theater. Okay. Chris, when did you get to see it? I saw it with my wife and one of our best friends uh, Sunday, and it, was, it wasn't a huge crowd, I would say, but it was about the size crowd we've gotten for everything else at that time of day. All right, Michelle, when did you get to the chance to see it? That Saturday with mom and my cousin, the theater was about a third full. Mm -hmm. Was it fun, though? Were people like into the story and that sort of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I wish I would have seen it twice. I tried to go see it again, but this has kind of been a hell week for me. But I'm glad I got to at least see it once, especially since we were recording this. I had a lot of fun. So with that out of the way, we're getting to the ones and zeros behind the scenes of the film. Michelle, can you retail a description of what we saw? The Marvels. Carol Danvers gets her powers entangled with those of Kamala Khan and Monica Rambeau, forcing them to work together to save the universe. The film was directed by Nia DaCosta and written by Nia DaCosta, Megan McDowell, and Elisa Karasik. So we wanted to run down some of the characters that were portrayed in the film here just to get a sense of where we thought everything filled out. And Lauren, I'm going to start with you. Okay, first off, let's talk about Teona Paris, who played Monica Rambeau. So she's been in not only this movie, not only WandaVision, but 
she's also been in things like Chirac, the movie of Dear White People, and If Bill Street Could Talk, and also one of my favorite performances from her, The New Candyman, which was directed by Nia DaCosta, the director of this movie. I wanted to talk about Pak Sajun. He plays Prince Yan. He is a well-known actor, not just in South Korea, but in that entire world, part of the world, and hopefully now going to get some recognition in the United States and beyond. He is known as Mr. Romantic. He has been in 26 TV and movies. He appeared in Parasite. He's won multiple awards. And if you go to Netflix, people have been searching for him because I searched for him as well and binged into one class, which was fun. And yeah, he he's a good actor. Once again, we have Aman Vellani being just the complete encapsulation of a giant Marvel fan thrown into their wildest dreams. And I still can't believe that the only role she has played in anything has been Kamala Khan in either this movie or the Miss Marvel show. Like, looking at her performance here, I would think that she had been acting for a while. And maybe she has in some little things that IMDb just doesn't know about. But this... And her entire family just bring that same energy that they had in Miss Marvel. And I loved every second of it. Yeah, I wonder if the family and her herself are protecting them. You know, the whole child actor syndrome or whatever, where you're a young star in a big production. And the trio over on Harry Potter went through this as well, although they were much younger when they started. But I think the protection of young actors in big productions is probably worth it. There's something to be said about doing multiple projects, especially if you're learning your acting styles and stuff like that. But I think just protecting yourself, your time, your well-being, I think there's something to be said about that. So my hat is off to Amon and her family for allowing her to only be in these two roles. I don't know what the decision point really was, but anyway, I would like to talk about Brie Larson. I know that she is a divisive figure in acting but i greatly enjoy her she was the 2016 oscar winner for best performance by an actress in a leading role for room that was the movie room in 2015 that came out and she's been in 75 things out there 75 works productions including previous mcu stuff she was also in scott pilgrim versus the world and a bunch of other things since oh i don't know 1998 i guess was the first thing that she's in imdb so i think she brought a level of gravitas to this film and let's face it the film was all about the trio of brie and tanya and amon so i think they pulled it off personally so just real quick want to give a shout out to zawi ashton who played the villain in this movie She's an actress I really like. She got her start in a bunch of British TV series, Sherlock, Doctor Who, Misfits. She's gone on to be in movies like Nocturnal Animals, Velvet Buzzsaw. And she was in a docudrama that I really, really like. It's a documentary with her as this woman, Joyce Vincent, who died in her apartment and was not found or noticed to be missing for three years. And it's this whole look back on what was her life like and why would... Anybody not notice she was missing for three years? And she does phenomenally in it. So if she caught your eye in this, give that a try. All right. Let's talk about overall thoughts from the film. Michelle? Plot. Who cares? Just have a good time. Same thing for me. You had some plot holes. You had some story holes, especially when looking back at some of the previous MCU and Marvel TV shows. But this one is fun, and I just don't care. This is like the definition of fun action romp, and that's all I expected. That's all I honestly needed. So, good on them. Higher, further, faster, fun, baby. Yeah, that's what I got for this. Let's talk about the action to start off, because it was really fun. I love the triple fights where they were changing back and forth. I don't think with the CGI that 
it was back in the day, even when the MCU started, that they really pulled it off the way they did now with all the flipping back and forth. But I think they did a really good job. It was a really fun concept that brought from the very first fight all the way to the end. So I really enjoyed that. And there was nothing but action in this. Matter of fact, maybe a little bit too much action, but the action we got, I think, was fun. Yeah, I really liked that as a plot element that kind of sped run speed runned i'm not really sure what the proper past tense for that word is but it just sort of got through all of the the bonding that needed to take place between the three of them at a really fast rate because they're in this enforced proximity it's kind of a fanfic trope but it's one that i like and you also had to have the characters figure out where each other were coming from so throwing them directly into that situation, you know, instantly Carol knew that she was dealing with a super fan and people knew that they were dealing with space stuff and Nick Fury. And I just can't really think of a much better way to have a really short, quick introduction to everybody's backstory like this. And really the fact that they pulled so many things directly from previous MCU projects, I think was a real good touch. Not only did it have great action, but the action made the characters grow. For example, Monica had to learn how to fly right away in order to save Kamala because Kamala was falling out of the sky. And that's a bit scary. Yeah, that scene in particular got me thinking about the plot because there were some times that they were using their powers and they weren't switching and there were some times that they were using their powers and they were switching so it got a little confusing to me i'm not sure what the level of power usage was that incited the switch but the saving scene with kamala dropping out of the sky was kind of fun although i think she could have saved herself with you know doing the if she didn't have the switching thing going on of just well, we also saw her try but she would make those little platforms yes. and because of the nature of her falling and not being able to land on like the exact center tipped over and rolled her off. So I thought they handled why she couldn't do that herself pretty quickly. I mean, she was high enough that I think eventually I think she would have gotten it or at least slowed her progression down to the ground enough that it wouldn't have been an issue, but okay. I, you know, plot, I guess, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Forget what terminal velocity is for a human. But she was up there. She could have hit that point a few times over. Yeah, it was 120 miles an hour as terminal velocity. A lot of this movie does seem to be in the lines of because plot demanded it. That's one of my complaints about it is it seemed like they were really, really going for that under two hours. So there was just some aggressive editing when it came to dialogue where I wish there'd been some more aggressive editing in terms of the action. I have a theory about that. I think it was directly related to the strike and their ability to not be able to do research reshoots and ADR. That's a good point. Pretty sure that they had to work with what they had and that made them go under two hours. For one, I'm actually grateful that they went under two hours. One hour and 45 minutes is a great length for a movie. The original Star Wars wasn't even like 90 minutes. I think it was 89 No, the minutes. original Star Wars is like a little over two hours, I think. Oh, really? Okay. Well, a lot of the movies that I grew up with, like Goonies, I don't think that's over two hours. So anyway, I do Yet. appreciate a movie well under three hours and even under two hours that they're able to do. But as we've all said, I think they might have been able to do a little bit more non-action in this one. Yeah, the original A New Hope was two hours, one minute. There's a podcast I like where they talk about movies and they're like, yeah, this was longer than Star Wars and it didn't need to be. And I feel like that's become a lot more of an accepted thing in the past 20 years as these longer movies. I like the two hours and under runtime, especially lately when I'm like, I just want to watch something before bed. I just feel like there were some conversations in the movie that just had really abrupt 180s out of nowhere. And it could have, it could have used an additional like 10 minutes to breathe. Mm -hmm. One thing that I know we were all talking about last week where we had to stay spoiler free. Thank you very much. Cause two of us hadn't seen the movie yet. 
But Lauren, you brought up that this could potentially be the biggest and best musical cue in the entire MCU. And we kind of started debating that a little bit, but please regale us with why. Okay. So quick fast forward through the movie. Goose is on the Sabre station and it turns out has been laying eggs everywhere. Out of the eggs hatch these full grown kittens, like about, let's say, eight to nine week old, like actual earth kittens, but they're baby flurkins. And being flurkins, they eat things and people. They're like, oh my God, we have to evacuate this station because plot, plot, plot. So they realize, okay, only one of our escape pods is working. We can't fit 300 people in here. What can we fit in here? Like 20 flurkins, 20 baby flurkins. So there's this scene. And the second the piano starts playing, I died because I was really, really into this musical when I was in middle school. And it's Memory from Cats. <laughs> As the flurkins are hunting down and eating the. <laughs> the staff you just hear this ethereal andrew lloyd weber song that we all collectively last heard in 2019 being sung by jennifer hudson in one of the worst movie adaptations i've ever seen and you have the announcements just don't panic let the flurkins eat you <laughs> yeah right and they're all still it, it just horrified and running and i laughed so hard my stomach was hurting <laughs> the theater was just dying it was wonderful wait so you're you don't mean the training montage with intergalactic <laughs> that wasn't your best musical cue that was in fact not my best musical cue we did get a good training montage though. i ended up laughing because i'm like well where's this musical cue in the back of my head and then i heard it and i started to cry and laugh, and I couldn't help but sing along. <laughs> yeah, and originally <laughs> I thought you were talking about the uh, the planet, the Aladdin planet, <laughs> and the fact Disney that, musical planet. Yes, yeah, the Bollywood esque planet that Michelle was uh, talking about earlier. So yeah, he, that's what I thought originally, and I was like, well, we had the Eternals, and as far as musical cues go. I still think the battle on the Rainbow Bridge is probably the best MCU. See, that was probably for the best for, like, getting you, oh, yeah, hyped up. Uh -huh. But this one was just, it was so ridiculous, but perfect. And then the added kind of baggage of the song with the 2019 musical like memory okay it's it's kind of a meme on its own especially musical theater if you've ever seen the movie jersey girl there's a part where all these kids at a school are supposed to do a song from a broadway musical and every single one does memory except for the main character's kid who does god that's good from sweeney todd so it's really well known for being overused and then you add in just the collective horror we all felt <laughs> yeah. when Cats, the musical, the movie came out. And then you add that to these kittens eating people. <laughs> it was just the, the combination just hit my heart. It hit my heart so hard. And for anybody who's watching <laughs> the video of this, you can see all these little kittens behind me and. That's why we have all these little kittens behind me. These are the kittens from the movie. I believe they're looking at something up in this general direction. I don't know. And they're all just so cute. And I want to have them all. Yeah, it's one of those look up and to the right awkward family photos. But with a bunch of cats and kittens and a space background. Yeah, you gotta like the Flurkins. And I... Kept thinking Fury's got to have some trauma still because wasn't he scratched by a flurkin? That's why he lost yeah. his eye. Yeah. So he did give Goose some pets, though. Yeah. He and Goose are on good terms these days. Yeah, I guess. Once you've been scarred by a pet, you need to <laughs> make amends and make it up. Yeah. Look, if I had to be mad at my pets forever, every time they left a permanent scar on me, 
I mean, it's just, we might as well just not be talking because I don't know if you can see, there's a big scar on my hand from my cat Tonks. I have scars on my eyebrow from when one of my cats tried to wake me up and I pushed him off the bed, but he had a claw hooked in my eyebrow. Um, That's a new story. Ah. Oh, I thought I've told that one before. This was like years and years ago. I don't remember. Anyway. Oh, my dog bit me on the face the day before picture day one time because I moved while she was asleep. Okay, I've heard about your your personal traumas before, but I think this is the first time I've heard about the pet traumas. It happens. (laughs) I mean, they're pets. Okay, well, Chris, talking about Goose and what happened with Flurry, Furry, (laughs) what happened with Nick before... Uh, you had a point in the show notes about how this might not be a great entry point for new fans. And granted, what happened between Goose and Fury was in the movies, but there's a lot of stuff that didn't happen in the movies. So I think we need to talk about that. We really do. This movie does do a good job of going back and reminding people of why something is important. So you get the Nick fury and goose background you get the background for carol and you get the background for kamal and you get it for maria you get it for monica both of them really and but that's the thing you get like a quick recap background like you don't get the whole story of why any of them are really important and there are a lot of movies where that's not an important thing you just need to go enjoy the action stuff. But this one, I feel like you really need to have seen Miss Marvel to get why everything with her family was so great and why her mom was reacting the way that she was at the news of Kamala going up into space and fighting aliens. And you needed to have seen WandaVision to understand what's going on with Monica and everything there. And you needed to have seen the Captain Marvel films plus the Avengers films to know what's going on with Carol. Like, I don't think you're getting enough from these backgrounds unless it's just reminding you of something that you haven't seen for years. But this is not one that I would want to throw to anybody as a first time experience at all. I wouldn't either. Not only do you need to watch all of those things and do a lot of homework, a lot of the things happened off screen. Like all of a sudden, Carol's the annihilator. And how did that happen? Oh, we get a flashback and then they do this weird scroll mind thing or Cree mind thing, whatever it was. And we ended up getting a bunch of flashbacks that way. There was a reliance of on homework plus flashbacks in order to fill in a lot of these gaps and to quickly rebuild the relationship between Carol and Monica. And that was rushed. They needed a little bit more together time in order for that relationship to really actually get mended to a, a proper space. Yeah, it's, I remember years ago being like, the the Marvel movies are really great because you have these stories that are, you know, f- at the time, I think like 40 years of history, no, more than that. Anyway, a whole bunch of decades of history in the comics, and it's so hard to get into the comics, but you can just watch the movies. And now we're at that point with the MCU stuff where it's like, it's really hard if you've never seen it before to get caught up. And in some ways it's like, it is what it is, but in a lot of others, you always, it's that same, every comic is somebody's first comic thing. Every Marvel movie is somebody's first Marvel movie. And I like what Alamo draft house does before they, where they kind of do a little, how did we get here type of thing? But that's just at the Alamo Draft House. That's just if you get there in time. I don't know what a solution is at this point. It's it's an institution. It's you're kind of expected to have all this knowledge and seen all the movies and people have grown up with the movies. And I don't know. I have no good ideas on 
what to do about that problem. And to be fair, when you get into a lot of these things, like this isn't the Marvel's offshoot of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's the Marvel Cinematic Universe Chapter 78. Like, we don't go into books expecting to be able to start at any chapter and know what's going on. So, I mean, this is just something that every fandom has to deal with. Eventually, you get so big that there has to be homework. Or you end way too early. I wonder if they would start to benefit by doing a previously on video that they air in place of a trailer at the start where you get at least a background if you hadn't seen everything and literally call it like previously on the MCU or whatever Disney plus or or whatever, just to get you caught up with some of the main themes. I think because of the strike, they did a lot of those background memory things just to fill a few minutes of space really, because you could have handled it differently if you weren't trying to fill space in my opinion. And by space, I mean like time, not space, like space. Uh, I'll add on to what we didn't see the Cree war. We didn't see anything about that. We didn't see the annihilator in the previously on or the background of the memory or whatever, but we saw nothing about the Cree war. So the development of the villain was really hampered. Like all of a sudden we see this person on screen. You're like, what, where, where is she from? It, did I forget her at some point in time? And I think she's just brand new into this. She's brand new. They tried to insert her into the background of one of the shots from Captain Marvel. Right. But it's, yeah, it's, well, here's the bad guy. She's hot and angry and trying to, trying to pull a space balls. Like, did anybody else? Like the second she's like, I'm going to take your atmosphere. I'm like, well, this is just space balls. I tried not to. I mean, don't say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> Between that and Carol reigniting their son at the end, I'm like, okay, now I want to rewatch I want to rewatch Spaceballs. And then between that sun scene here and the end of Loki, I want to rewatch Sunshine, which is an amazing movie with Chris Evans in it. If you Chris Evans, Killian Murphy, Michelle Yeoh, it's a great one of my favorites. But it was a really simple plot, which again worked for the movie because it just to me with how marvel stuff has been lately particularly secret invasion which oh my god i'm so glad we didn't really have any callbacks to that here i just wanted something fun i just i needed something just simple and fun and this was it i have a question for you guys and it's a question because i honestly don't remember what happened to Amir Khan's wife? Because they got married in the Ms. Marvel series, right? Where was she? Vacation, work trip, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, she was not here. And none of Kamala's friends were involved. I get why they did that. but You did see them in group pictures in Kamala's room. Okay. That was, I guess, the closest we got to remembering them i mean the way that it all panned out i could see why they didn't even need to involve them but that's a big part of her life and her superhero life are her friends and they were cut completely out of it and at the end they moved they're not even near jersey city anymore i had assumed they were moving carol in yeah that's the way i saw it okay no the mom says this is a nice place to raise a family yeah, because she's yeah. trying to pressure him into having kids. Yes, that's, oh. that's the... Okay. Well, they have no house in Jersey City now. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Maybe it's even a temporary move until their house gets fixed or something like that. I could see that. But yeah, I, you can't take Kamala out of Jersey City. That's like a hugely integral part of her character. And yeah, when I first saw that, I was like, oh my God, are they moving to Louisiana just for no reason? But then when the stuff that they're unpacking is Carol's. Don't forget, though, Goose did have a big box of snacks. It's important. (laughs) He's a hungry guy. I liked the callback for Valkyrie. It was short. It was, hey, we're going to bring you in. It's part of the bigger MCU. We only need you for a few seconds as we try to offload these refugees. And it, it wasn't like a, we're forcing them on you. It's like you agreed, I asked for help, and you're giving help. I think that was 
totally unlike what support she got from Earth when they were setting up new Asgard. So I, I, I like that. I don't really see the Asgardians and the Skrulls living together in new Asgard, but, you know, weirder things have happened. I saw so many people complaining about her coming in there yeah. and doing that. And, like, why do you need to bring in another character? And, of course, it's a female character. And, blah, 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 you know, well, it's, it's a bunch of people that, you know, whatever. Their opinion, I don't care about that at all for them. But you just needed a quick way to get the scrolls out of danger. And you did that with somebody who could get in and get out. And I'd like to think that the Asgardians, even if they don't, like, fully integrate scrolls into their society and have a nice new home world for everybody lives together and drinks meat all the time. They'll at least like let them live peacefully in a spot over there and just kind of let them do their thing. So I've seen some not confirmed, but okay. So the Carol Valkyrie ship is a pretty strong ship in Marvel fandom. And it's one that the actresses have both been like, yeah, let's let them hook up. So I've seen some people thinking, were there deleted scenes? Because, you know, nobody is allowed to be gay in the foreground of a movie that's released by Disney. But it seems like that might have just been a nod to that by the writers and directors, or it could just be more wild mass guessing. Either way, I really like both of the characters and the actresses seem to get along pretty well in real life. And I liked seeing Valkyrie again. It's a, again, a reminder, hey, Earth has already taken in a refugee population of aliens. So secret invasion was not necessary. No. Uh, well, Michelle, you brought up something in the show notes that I'm going to let you talk about, and that's the ending and the fact that we get in the post-credit scene, at least, or mid-credit, whatever you want to call it, we get our insight into how they're possibly going to pull off one of the biggest combinations in film history. Well, at the end, we get Kamala having her little pad and Kate Bishop comes in and it's like, I want to form a team. Can't wait. True. That was another thing that happened, but I'm talking about the other thing that happened with the other dimension with Monica. Real quick, though, before we hop to the other dimension, okay. I loved Iman Vellani just saying the Nick Fury lines from the end of Iron Man so much. And she doesn't have the gravitas, but she has the enthusiasm. It's yes. Give give us what we want. Give us Young Avengers. I will say this the exact same way I said it all throughout watching the Miss Marvel show. She is a giant doofus, and I love it. She's perfect. She is perfection. In the last couple of runs of Young Avengers and Champions, it was between her and the um, Spider-Man character that really brought the team together. So she is in a leadership role of the Young Avengers, at least in the comics. So I did appreciate her being the one that starts to be, bring people together. And the Nick Fury lines, that was, uh, was unexpected. I'm like, ah. And then she had to deviate, of course, because she didn't have anybody else. And she mentioned that. And well, right now it's just you. But, you know, hey, let's do this. And I'm like, finally, 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 you've set it up. Now let's go. Let's do Give this. us what it we kind of want. reminded me of Luffy and One Piece trying to get a screw together. A little bit. Still haven't watched One Piece. I have fun watching it. The live action version. I haven't seen the live action version. I was one of those people who was really, really burned by the four kids dub back in the day. So I just, it just put me off. And I know it's, you know, the longest running anime series like ever, basically. And it's insanely popular. And the story's apparently really good. And the live action's apparently really good. And it has Deke from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I just need to get over it and watch it. Yeah, there's no Zima and no Lemons. But yeah, Deke's in it. All right, Michelle, confusion aside, what did you think about the Monica Rambo going to the other universe and what she found? First off, did she have to close it from the other side? I didn't understand why she had to go to the other side and why she just couldn't have closed it from our side. Yeah, I 
I didn't get that. It was broken from our side. So it went in. And so she would have been able to grab the things and pull them back. So I don't know why, but hey, we have to end up in an alternate universe somehow so we can get the X-Men somehow. What if? So if you were going to pull it back in, you would probably need some kind of rope or something to attach so that you could get it to go. And who's going to be the best person to have a rope? It would be a Spider-Verse character. They could have brought Gwen into space and done it that way. There you go. Perfect entry point for Spider-Gwen. You're going to have to (laughs) tell me offline, how do you integrate web shooters into a spacesuit? So, well, that's a topic for another time. 60s Spider-Man science. This is going to be a joke for like, I don't know if there's anybody else here that does sewing embroidery. Apparently, mattress stitch does not exist when you're trying to put dimensions back together. People who sew, we're going to find that really funny. I thought the same thing. Why does she have to be on the other side? Why can't she be on this side? Or at least it made it through. I didn't understand with the speed that Carol Danvers had how she couldn't make it there in time to save Monica. It was all because of plot. It really got to the point, because I was questioning that all the way until I got to the mid-credit scene, whatever you want to call that scene, where she was in the other universe. And then let's talk about it. I mean, she wakes up, she thinks she's next to her mom, and she's not, and then we get wondering what type of X-Men they were going to bring in. Are they going to bring first-class X-Men in? Or if they're going to bring in, you know, the Patrick Stewart. I mean, I guess we had Patrick Stewart in Doctor Strange 2. Didn't mean that they were going to stick with that. But that is the case because that is the beast that we got. We got the beast from the Patrick Stewart area of X-Men. And so here's the question. Who does Monica's mom, who is that? Do we think she's storm but it doesn't look like a storm outfit but this is an alternate universe so we don't know what storm's wearing she's wearing the costume for binary binary is in an era of comics i haven't really read as much but i believe so it's supposed to be she is the one in this universe who won the race to the hangar Mm -hmm. and got the ms marvel powers like we kind of touched on earlier in the movie and binary is another name that carol has gone by i believe that would be new for me but i i wouldn't doubt it i know that is true but i don't know for how long yeah carol was binary for a while there's actually an action figure of her as binary binary was originally conjured as a result of carol danvers shaping her photon blasts into a human-like form you can google it information's all there but anyway this is supposed to be I guess she's just working with the X-Men. She's not, I don't know if she's supposed to be one, but we do get beast and we get CGI beast because why sit through like eight hours of makeup for a 32nd cameo? We do get and it Kelsey is voiced. Grammer's voice though. Yeah, you did. They you did get Kelsey Grammer's voice, which damn, if he isn't perfect for beast, you know, Patrick Warburton would be too. I can see that. I can see that. So something that we didn't discuss and we're, we don't have planned to discuss, but I want to bring up now is the fact that since you brought up Dr. Strange two is Mr. Fantastic was cast and it wasn't Krasinski. It's Pedro Pascal. Internet daddy himself. Yeah. Yep. So we'll see how he pulls off the role. There's been a lot of, okay. I mean, you got to kind of trust Disney and, and the MCU on their casting a little bit, at least. But at the same time, it's like, I didn't see that one coming. My two top choices were still William Jackson Harper, Cheedy from The Good Place, or Rahul Kohli, and then John Krasinski. But Pedro Pascal is so charming. I know they're trying to get a Reed Richards that people like. I'm not sure making Reed Richards super likable is the way to go about it. But we have also seen Pedro Pascal in a number of villain roles. So maybe he'll be able to get that balance between protagonists who want to root for and just an absolute jerk. Reed Richards is the worst. 
I am holding all of my judgment until I see which Fantastic Four storyline they're going with, because there are some where Pedro would be horrible, and there are some where Pedro is probably one of the best choices. Here's a question for you guys. Do you think they're going to bring in the Fantastic Four along with this X-Men troupe that they are now in with Monica? Or they do the Deep Space storyline for Fantastic Four, like they've been off traveling i know there is a story where that's why they would have been absent from this universe they've been either time traveling or traveling through space i am sorry i am not i'm obviously comic book there are huge comic book gaps with me especially with the fantastic four i wasn't a reader of the fantastic four not really i did read some fantastic four because i started reading all the marvel comics from the beginning and of course, that starts with the Fantastic Four. So I have read some of the early storylines. But as far as this goes, I just, I don't know. I know they plan on moving forward with the whole thing. So let's just see how it all fits together. They're in a MCU. I mean, they, they have a foundation that they have to work from. So, okay. Like, where were they during the blip? Were they blipped? Where were they during the whole Thanos thing? You know, I think you're right about that. To take them off the board or put them in a multiverse is probably the best idea. I know this that they're probably bringing in Fantastic Four as a way to bring in Doom, because let's face it, Doom is one of the best Marvel characters, in my opinion. Just give us a really good Doom. That's what I'm here for, really, in terms of Fantastic Four. Just give us a really good Doom who is... You know, he's got the charm and he's got the swagger and he's got the evil. Sometimes, sometimes he's a good guy, but give us, give us Dr. Doom. It doesn't surprise me that this whole thing came out of Ms. Marvel or a, the Marvel's movie or Carol Danvers movie. It seems to fit that this movie is where we get the official, okay, here is how we're going to reach in and bring in the X-Men and possibly the Fantastic Four. I, I think this was probably expected at some point. But like I said earlier on, I went into this movie without any expectations whatsoever, low expectations, just because of what we had seen previously. Yes, the Spider-Man movies have been okay. Yes, the final Guardians of the Galaxy movie was okay. But aside from that, especially coming off of Secret Invasion, I'm like, how are they going to do this? Okay, I'm just throw expectations out the window and I'm just going to try to enjoy it. And I was able to. But... I don't know what the future holds for any of these characters. I'm, I was kind of expecting Carol Danvers to be taken off the board, to be honest with you guys, because that's what they seem to be doing with everybody else. Yeah, there's, I know there's a move to move to the, the next gen, essentially, of Marvel stuff, but Carol is also kind of a next gen-ish character, so I'm not terribly surprised that they're keeping her around. What I will say is, okay, we were talking about the plot of the movie after we saw it. Carol has, in a lot of ways, the Superman problem. She is so powerful. She is not as much of a static character as Superman tends to be. But it's the same thing with Superman. It's the same thing with Captain America. It's like, you gotta, yeah, you're going to have some character development for her. But the emotional drive of the story kind of by necessity needs to be the other characters reacting around her. And I think this movie handled that pretty well because you see Monica, who's been thoroughly disenchanted with Carol after all these years of you promised you come back and then she didn't. You have Kamala, who's in that stage of fangirl. Oh, my God, we have this. I have the super parasocial relationship with you. And then learning this person I admire is just a person. It's both of these two people learning to come to terms with this character is just a person from different ways. And then you add that to the whole Cree, the Annihilator thing. And Carol's like, hey, I'm just a person. It's I thought that was a good balance. So a couple of fun quotes that I remember from the movie is when uh, they three of them get together and they get to the Cree ship and both Monica and carol leave and that leaves kamala just sitting there facing the villains right and so carol comes back to get her and she just says kamala don't talk to them and she said 
oh, you know my name, as they fly away. So that, that was a cute little scene. Like she was geeking out over Carol Danvers, and Carol actually remembered her name. And the other one that I remember was when Fury and the Flurkins and the Khan family were escaping in the last ship off of the <laughs> station. And <laughs> Amir is actually praying, and he's like, Fury's like, are you praying? And then Amir stops, and he's like, don't stop. We need all the help we can get. <laughs> and then he just keeps adding, amen. Yeah. I loved Sam Jackson getting to just be Grandpa Fury here. He was, I, I was watching there, another podcast who was talking about the review of this movie, and it's like, you know, Secret Invasion. He's like, oh, it's, everything's so serious. And here he's just like, I'm hanging out with my friends. This is great. And it's like, Sam Jackson, you deserve this. Just have a good time. Yeah, he was having a good time. I had a little bit of an issue with pretty much the incompetence the Saber crew were treated with. It's like the everything was falling apart around them. They couldn't do anything. They were the quintessential just, you know, extras out there. I'm like, eh. Yeah, but if they had been able to fix it, we wouldn't have gotten the Flurkins eating them. So well, you would. I'll take that. As a- okay. I think you could have gotten there with a more complex plot line that you did. Uh, I don't know, D storyline or whatever. I think you. And they were done. calling them cadets, so you have to assume yeah. that there's a lot more training that they just hadn't gotten to yet. All right. I did like there was that one tech that we kept seeing where it's revealed. He says he's like over 300 years old, and I guess you can presume between that and the 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 beads in his beard that he might be Asgardian. And I like them showing this is a true interplanetary little thing. And it's never too late for him to start planning for his retirement or too early. Mm-hmm. I, oh, my God. I, I'm so happy that with Kamala's family, I just I loved them. Even at the beginning when, you know, the fighting was going on in their house and they were doing their best to fight these superheroes or these soldiers or whatever. And, and Kamala's mom is like, oh, yeah. and your closet door? And she's like, well, it wasn't me. It was somebody else. And they didn't believe her until they actually saw Carol Danvers. And like, what, what's with Carol Danvers actually walking through the house? And it was just a I, funny scene. Again, having been a teenage girl whose parents were like, okay, what are you doing now? There's a lot of stuff in that whole family interaction. Even though they're Pakistani and I'm Mexican American, there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities in family dynamics. I think it showed them being supportive, which we've gone through the I don't know who you are with Ms. Marvel, and they know who she is now, and they know what her powers are. And I think they were actually being as support they were questioning, like, what's going on? This is not normal. Or this is beyond I, Yes, I think they'd like they'd like more of a work life separation. <laughs> I think that's pretty clear. Especially when somebody throws somebody through the roof of your house. And they probably aren't big fans of their little baby going off into space with just two other people and fighting an entire alien civilization. Nick was like, look, Carol's going to look after her. Trust me. (laughs) And like, I don't know if I trust you on this one, buddy. But she did. Yeah, there's some they got some really good. This movie, for all, it's just a lot of fun. There were a couple scenes where I teared up. Where her mother was telling her, like, you were born for this, but you're still my baby, essentially. I did tear up when Beast got shown, but in all fairness, I was also in a lot of pain, and that makes me really emotional. But they hit some really good emotional beats in terms of family and found family and just just everything that I love right here. And also throwing in a third side of the triangle there of forced family. In the not blood sense, because you had Kamala getting forced into the Monica and Carol relationship. And then furthering Kamala's character development, she ends up with the second bangle finally. All right. Any last thoughts? Across time and space to find her. Yeah, it's more than a coincidence here. Michelle, any last thoughts? Is Carol a Disney princess? Technically, yes. She is married to that prince. She sings. Does she has an animal companion? Yes, she has an animal companion. Takes every she doesn't need a man that. to save her, but she is married That's to true. a prince. She has an animal companion. She does sing. I'm so glad we got to hear Bree sing again. She's she's got a good voice, and 
I'm also kind of sad that it appears that she didn't do the singing in the new Scott Pilgrim anime. It looks like they got the lead singer of Metric to do it, which for those who don't know, Metric did the song originally that she sings in the Edgar Wright Scott Pilgrim movie. Chris, any last thoughts? If this were a TV show, I would be giving them a bunch of crap for not telling each other what their plans were. Monica going and not telling them that she's going to be staying on the other side as she closes the hole. Carol not having any kind of communication back to Earth. Kamala tells everybody everything, so you don't have to worry about anything there. But this is a movie. It needs to happen. you got to have your little things there. And this is just so much fun. It makes By the way, Kamala now knows how to pilot a starship. I don't think she crashed. I think she landed. So, yeah, she can pilot the starship. So kudos to her. She can pilot a starship. But she can't fly the plane in Louisiana because they don't have the key. I would think with somebody with light powers, you might be able to create a key. Just hotwire the plane. Yeah, there is that. (laughs) Okay, Lauren, you're last up. When I first, like, my very first impressions after the movie was, I wish this had been, like, a four-episode limited series. But in retrospect, I think I just wanted to see more of Carol, Monica, and Kamala bonding. Those were my favorite parts of the movies, other than the Flurkin babies. It was fun. It was pretty lighthearted for something where we saw the destruction of two whole civilizations. Yeah. That was a criticism I had. You had two entire planets or civilizations, and really, what's the effect on that? It, it wasn't, they didn't do the gravitas of it, I think. They really didn't. I think that might have been another casualty of the cuts or Andor not being able to re record, redo scenes. But it was fun and it was happy. The recent Marvel stuff, for the most part, I haven't been in a huge rush to rewatch even the stuff that I was like, yeah, I like that. This is when I feel like I would easily put on on an afternoon where I'm like embroidering just to have on in the background. It's fun and it's pretty lighthearted. And I love the characters and I love the actresses and I love the director. I, again, really liked her Candyman. Give Nia DaCosta more opportunities. When this makes it to Disney Plus, I'll put it on my rotation of stuff that I watch in the background as I'm editing or whatever. Absolutely. This will be something that I, I will want to watch because it is fun. And by the way, I had not seen this or had been spoiled about the post credit scenes before we talked about me watching Hawkeye. Now I want to watch Hawkeye so much more because, well, we got Kate at the end here. So. And it's coming up on Christmas. It's the perfect time. Exactly. And that was the original intent. By the way, I know you guys were all aghast. I have turned on the Hallmark Channel finally, and I've seen a couple of scenes from some movies. So we finally get that check mark for 2023. Oh, my goodness. I thought this was going to be a sign of the apocalypse. SP not watching Hallmark. Oh, my Find goodness. Thank goodness. Supplies to you know, bunker down in case an asteroid comes down and hits us or something like that. Yeah, I've definitely uh, crossed that bridge. All right. I think we are talked out, at least for now. We might bring this back in the future as we talk about the effects. I'm still internalizing what this is going to mean for the future. And I know Marvel has come out with a new release schedule. So we need to combine the two things as we come back in 2024 to really pontificate on where we think this is going in the future. Uh, This is the last episode of 2023, but this is not the last episode of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We are due back next year. We'll be covering What If and Echo, as well as X-Men Evolutions. We're going to finish that off. So lots of cool stuff coming up in 2024. And potentially X-Men, the new show, I think, is supposed to come out at some point next year. Mm Mm-hmm. I, what was that the called? New animated um, 97. The, the thing that, are, are you sure it's not 96? Not 98? No, I, I'm pretty sure it's 97. X Men 97. Yeah. I'm so happy. All right. Michelle, what are we going to try to do now? We are going to try to reignite a sun on our way out.
you think I am, Samantha Carter? There's no way I'm going to be able to do that. That's another thing I really need to find the time to rewatch. Okay, it's, yeah, Stargate. Carol Danvers, Samantha Carter, y'all need to get together and talk about how sons work. That's all I'm saying. Does that fan fiction exist yet? Because it should. That's what I'm saying. Get on that, Lauren. Get on it. I'm looking. <laughs> From what I hear, the sun is a miasma of some kind of plasma. Alrighty. Because they don't think it's a massive incandescent gas like a gigantic nuclear furnace anymore. Okay. I hadn't heard that yet. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate that. We know you probably have strong feelings against this movie or for this movie. We would like to hear what your thoughts are. We will talk about them next year. So get your thoughts to us. The best way to get a hold of any of us is to go to our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. Or you can email me at stargatepioneer at gunnageek.com. We will gladly take your feedback. I found four fix on Archive of Their Own that include both Carol Danvers and Stargate SG-1 in the tags. I'll check those out later. All right. In the meantime, I would love to thank my hosts for being so, so amazing and keeping this ship going. Everyone enjoy your very well-deserved break. I'm kind of sad that I got back just to have us gone again for a month. But you know what? If y'all are resting, it's worth it. So take it easy over the holiday seasons. And audience, we will be back. I would like to thank our listeners. Again, there is a lot of stuff out there. And the fact that you take time out to listen to our content means a lot to us. And... If you feel like you're going to miss us, be sure to check us out on our other podcasts. I know SP has something about improving your audio experience thing somehow. I don't know. But you could also check out Play Comics, where I grab a guest and we look at video games based on a comic property and how well they stick to that source material. You can dig back and find the episode where I had Lauren if you want to hear two hosts from the show get together. Or you can listen to an episode from the future that hasn't been recorded yet and listen to me and SP or me and Michelle talk about whatever it is that we end up talking about. And I'm sure at some point in time, Smoking and Drinking in Capes will be reviewing the Marvels as well. So guys, that's it for 2023. I'm calling a wrap. Until 2024, I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm Agent Chris. See everybody next year. Bye. Happy holidays. Bye-bye. Be safe with your fireworks. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. As Chris, you go once during the thing. Now that we have Lauren. What about Chris's thing? Huh? Oh, we're just doing like, I, I, I sort of stepped in and was like, who's doing the code opening? Who's got the because of? Yeah, I just don't want to be talking about Chris's thing. I'd rather not talk about my thing either. Okay. Chris doesn't have a thing. All right. Excellent. Well, I don't <laughs> want to go I mean, I there do, But I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Okay, Chris has a thing we're not talking about. Alrighty. I can live with that. By the way, I am on the tail end of six podcast episode recordings this week. Monday through Saturday. Oh, geez. Wow. Fun. I thought I had a busy time coming. Yeah, it's been a week. And then I was uh. supporting the Starship launch from work. Since it's on the weekend, the weekend team took over. So that's why I'm here right now versus going through the postmortem. And uh, yeah, it's been, been a week. How do you want to get this one out? Hop into a flirkin. <laughs> <laughs> Reignite a sun.
Yeah. Go back to Aldana. What? I don't think I said a real word there. No, you did not. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? What were you thinking? Go back to, Al- go back to Aladna. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2023.